welcome to the OT Digest podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kasparo, the founder of otgraphically.com, where I synthesize research into visually appealing graphics. On this podcast, we take research and make it more fun and interesting in order to quickly hear the most updated evidence all around the world. I interview authors, share research tips, and provide practical examples that I hope you can use and incorporate into your interventions the very next day. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the OT Digest podcast. My name is Katie Casparo. I'm excited to share today something a little different. I feel like I say that anytime. It's just not an interview. So it's just me today. Um, I wanted to share today in the podcast a clip from the OT Graphically Library. I did this live stream earlier for our members in the summer, and I thought it was an important topic to get the conversation going um, and that something to be shared kind of across different, um, not only just in pediatrics, but also adults, and an important conversation to have as OTs. I by no means had all the answers on this topic, uh, but the goal was to get a better understanding of what those terms, evidence-based practice versus practice-based evidence, meant and what are the differences and uh, what does it look like to do it. So towards the end, I walked through an example of what practice-based evidence actually looks like. I think uh, I tend to cut off sometimes, uh, don't always connect the dots, uh, Sometimes my brain moves faster than my mouth, but I wanted to be transparent and also share that I'm still definitely learning on this topic too. Also, I wanted to encourage you that you're probably already doing this in some capacity, but over time, maybe you started doing it in your head or just didn't have that intention or uh, weren't thinking it through, but it was more uh, routine. So this is just kind of a pause and reevaluate and see where you're at. Uh, You're probably already doing this in some form. So take a listen as I share more about this topic and enjoy the podcast. Hi, everybody. Um, I hope you're doing well. Happy Tuesday, wherever you are in the world. Um, I am really excited to talk to you today about practice-based evidence versus evidence-based practice, which is what we talk about a lot here. Um, How can we take evidence and put it into practice? So this is kind of the reverse of that. You know, how do you, in your practice, make sure that you are Uh, tracking data that is evidence-based. So I just wanted to kind of uh, give some definitions really quick because they are very similar words and that can be really confusing. So evidence-based practice is teaching practice supported by scientific or supposedly true knowledge uh, generated as an outcome of randomized control trials usually, whereas Uh, Practice-based evidence is the opposite of that, where you take into consideration the context of your practice and kind of everything together, you're doing it together and tracking what is going on. You know, I tried this, I'm going to try this single intervention with this uh, patient and or client, and then I'm going to use tracking measures to see if it worked and if not, change it up. So that is in general the difference. So it's kind of Uh, the way I think of it in my brain is starting at the paper versus starting in the practice. So 
The reason why this has become an issue more recently is because there's a really heavy focus on evidence-based practice. And I would argue that maybe I also um, am part of that. And I think that is something I'm learning too. So this is me learning alongside you as well. But basically, because there's such a strong emphasis on it, it is kind of like a, um, become this thing, especially in like schools and um especially schools where it's guys, your policy and, and your insurance companies, you know, if you don't do evidence, it doesn't count is kind of what has kind of resulted in it. So it's become kind of this really intense, you know, it's a great thing, but it's also can be very limiting and not capture the whole story. So um, it kind of ignores the context. So the, the benefits of evidence-based practice is that it, you can isolate something and say, when I did this, this changed this and be pretty confident that that was true. Um, it's kind of, that's why uh, so many scientists advocate for it um, and are kind of not as pumped about <laughs> this new trend of practice-based evidence. So um, you really know what's causing the change. You know that what you're doing is making this impact and this outcome. Um, one of the negatives of that is it doesn't take into account the local situation or the client's personal situation or personal environment. It doesn't, how I would describe, include the messy parts of being a human. Um, and there's some people who argue that it's like kind of then let's just throw out evidence-based practice because that's not working. But I would argue there's a way to lean into that. Um, and it's something called the key ingredients. So a lot of times you try an uh, intervention in one of our articles, for example, um, you do the steps and you're like, man, I just can't get this to work in my setting. Um, what then the next step, instead of kind of turning away from it, I would argue is to lean in and do, um, reach out to the author or to figure out and ask them, what are the key ingredients? What are the things that like absolutely have to be done for this to be considered the co-op method, for this to be considered area sensory integration for this to be considered uh, graded motor imagery and what can I kind of adapt um, because they know what's what you would be able to do uh, to be able to adapt it. But that's tricky. Um, so the idea is let's also, you know, we have that, but then let's also capture um, this practice-based evidence. So Let's gather the data from all clinics all across, you know, the world. Um, you know, it's very client-centered. We can see what they need. And um, then we're getting the information of what works in the clinic. And it's a lot easier. You don't have to kind of, it's not like you're putting a square peg in a round hole. It's a lot easier to implement into your practice and ideally reduce how long it takes to put evidence into practice, which right now is actually 14 years. It used to be 17 years when I first started this. So that was kind of cool to learn recently. Um, so it's come, coming down, but that's still like, you know, 15 years is a long time. So um, the, the downside to doing practice-based evidence only is that you might not get the same results um, that you would see in an evidence, like you wouldn't say, oh, I got this study and then I'm going to do it and the same way that they did it. And I could, you, but based on the, the results, I can expect it'll be similar. Um, you can't necessarily, you don't necessarily know that. Um, and then also, um, 
you don't know if what you're doing is actually changing what you're changing. You can assume and you can track it, uh, but there's a lot of other variables at play. You know, people are getting all sorts of other interventions at the same time. So uh, that can be tricky. And that is when you remove that scientific context, um, you, you're relying on, uh, you're hoping that it's what you're doing, but you don't, you can't say for sure. Um, so that is the only con, the, one of the few cons of this. Um, but basically the way I've been trying to do it, and this is something I've been practicing in my own practice and really focusing on because I think it's where I got frustrated um, when trying to implement something new. So I really just look at the, you know, first focus on the client. What are their needs? What is important to them? Um, and what do they value first? You know, everything else doesn't matter. Those are the things. Okay, we want to work on putting our socks on. I was hoping I didn't pick that one, but I guess I picked that one. Um, so we want to work on pick, putting our socks on. Um, okay, so that's really important because that helps us get out the door quicker. Uh, we need to get places quicker. We're busy. You know, that's important to us to be on time. If on time isn't important to us, we don't necessarily need to get our socks on quicker. But for this family situation, we do. And then you go and kind of select those interventions from the evidence that you know about. Um, I know about video modeling. I know about um, adapting the environment, maybe having some kind of adaptive equipment, depending on, you know, if this is adults versus pediatrics, um, doing, you know, different um, co-op you know, co method. I feel like that's like my favorite one. If you haven't heard, I say it all the time, but I feel like that solves a lot of our OT problems, that intervention. Um, and then you um, plan for how you're going to implement it. So I think this is the part that we don't stop and think about like, how are we going to implement this? Um, and how are we going to track it? So I want the child and, and we're good at this. We do this so well in our head, but to put it on paper is like the next step, right? So I want this child to put on their socks. Uh, what is like five steps before that? Um, and what is, what is me measuring success? So is there an assessment that shows tracking um, improved success, which there are, you know, there's things like the PD, where you could say the caregiver is giving less and less support each, and you could track it each week. Um, you could do something like the goal attainment scale. I would say the PD is probably not great for that, because I think you can't do it every week. But the goal attainment scale is a good example where you can track, okay, this week, we were at a zero, and then next week, we're at a one. So you can easily see that they moved up um, a level. And then, so, okay, I'm going to use the goal attainment skill, and I'm also going to use the PD right at the beginning of our um, intervention at the end of our three months or however long you're seeing the, the child. Um, so you have that plan ahead of time. Like, that's how I'm going to track my data. Um, a lot of times I feel like I'm doing that mid-intervention, mid and, and that's where I, I get it's tricky because I'm, th I'm thinking about it, and it's kind of like a day late and a dollar short. Um, but those are the two interventions you'll use to help you track what you're doing. And then you implement the intervention, which is, um, you know, pick one, one of the ones I said before, let's say you use video modeling. Um, I don't know that one. I need to look into how evidence-based that is too, because that has uh, swung different ways <laughs> more recently. So, uh, but say if you do this, right, you want to see, you know, the, the evidence says one thing, but let's see if it works in practice. Uh, you, you do the PD with the family at the beginning. Uh, you do the goal attainment scale every single week. 
saying, okay, we did a video model. We practice our socks. How did it go? What do we rank? And you, I usually just put it literally in a, in a Excel sheet or a paper, you know, of I, I got a negative one this week and it's all on the same. So you can see it all in one page. I think that I didn't want to give like a really specific, um, sheet for this, like a template for this, which I, I can make, but honestly, it's just like a table that is, has enough spaces that it's by week. You know, you have your date, your, uh, what you, your intervention, if you want, which is going to be the same. Um, and, you know, maybe any other notes you needed and then just what they scored on the goal attainment scale. So you're not doing so much extra documentation. Um, and then you look over time, you know, maybe at six weeks, like, okay, where are we at? Are we at still at zero or negative one? And we haven't really made that jump to this goal. Okay, maybe this intervention is not the one that I need. Uh, this is not working. Let's adjust it. Uh, but that information is so important. And this is kind of not something I necessarily have the answer to. Um, I don't have the answer to, but it's to give that back to the author of an article would be so helpful uh, to say, hey, I did this in the clinic. I did it, like you said, in the article as much as I could. I, I used this intervention and these are the results I got. You know, I think that's very powerful and, and very valuable. So um, one quote I like to think about is from Albert. I think it's from Albert Einstein, but it says, not everything that can be counted counts and not everything that counts can be counted. So this is kind of like the, um, the big idea behind this. If it's not important to the family and you're counting it, it doesn't matter because it's not important to them. Also, if you're counting it for um, like reasons for uh, yourself, but then the insurance company doesn't care, you know, that also doesn't count because you won't get paid for what you're doing. So there's a lot of, and obviously that's frustrating, absolutely frustrating too. Um, so I just think that's a really important thing to keep in mind that um, really focusing on what the client wants and needs first can, can really help shrink that down. And I haven't been paying attention to, I think there's a chat here. So if anybody wants to share anything, um, this is my first time doing a live kind of this way. And, and it's uh, upgraded a little bit since the last time I did it. But yeah, I think just that planning ahead of right when you start, uh, these are the assessments I'm going to track with each week. Um, I really like the goal attainment scale. It's pretty easy. Sometimes the COPM is actually really great too for this. Um, that one is, I feel like, harder to do every week, but something that you feel like can, you can track and get like a number um, over time is really helpful. I know there's a great um, app for the goal attainment scale, so you could put it into an app, but honestly, sometimes just uh, charting uh, on a piece of one piece of paper, keeping it simple uh, is the best. So I hope that was helpful. I'm going to keep um, learning more about this as, as, um, part of our uh, library and uh, this will be part of our course as well. So I'm going to add this to your course. Um, and I think it's just important to know that it's kind of a newer topic and people are realizing like, look, if we do this more, we can use this information to help implement the things that are working and stop implementing the things that aren't. And at the end of the day, that's what's important for our clients. So, well, I hope you're all doing great. Um, it was so great to to connect and 
Um, if you're watching later, definitely share your thoughts or other ideas or other resources. Um, if you need, if you would like me to make that chart, um, I can, because I know sometimes just having somebody else do it is helpful. Um, and then maybe I could share a list of other things besides the goal attainment scale that could be used for that weekly tracking. So thanks so much and we'll be in touch soon. Bye everybody. So I hope that helped make the difference between those two terms a little clearer. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Or if you have any interest in joining the OT Graphically Library, we are open for membership year-round. And we have infographics of research. We do conversations and topics like this. We have a course called Becoming Evidence-Based, which this topic will be a part of. Uh, so definitely check that out. I'll put it all in the show notes and reach out to me if you have any questions. Thanks so much and have a great day.